All right, let's go to John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10 this morning. We last left off in John 9.41, the end of chapter 9. Uh, that was during the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is roughly September. It's about six months before the crucifixion of Jesus. We know from John 10 verse 22 that we're approaching the Feast of Dedication. The Feast of Dedication is also known as Hanukkah. Uh, that's in December. That's about three months before the crucifixion of Jesus. We do not know precisely when John 10, 1 through 21 took place. It may be that it was right after this conversation at the Feast of Tabernacles and just kind of right after Jesus healed a blind man, he went right into this conversation. It may be that it was closer to Hanukkah or maybe it was somewhere in the middle. Uh, I'm prone to think that it was very close to the Feast of Tabernacles right after he healed the blind man because at the end of this, they'll reference the blind man. Uh, But we're not exactly sure why, but regardless... or where exactly it is. Regardless, we can look at this and understand what it's saying. Jesus is going to give them uh, these figures of speech in the first five verses of John 10. In verse 6, they're basically going to say, huh? And he's going to elaborate a little bit more uh, in verses 7 through 18. So verses 7 through 10, he'll press into what he had talked about with this uh, gate or where this porter is, the sheep gate. Then through verses 11 and 18, he's going to elaborate a bit more on the shepherd. And then at the end, you'll see that there's this uh, kind of consternation that some of them believe and, and say that, yeah, that's the, that's the smartest thing I've ever heard. And some of them say he's crazy and he is a devil. So let's read these first 21 verses and we'll make quick work of it today. Uh, but I want us to understand what this is saying. John 10, look at verse number one. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of a stranger's. Verse number six, after Jesus tells them this, it says, the parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. So he says this and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. So he's gonna elaborate. He's gonna pick up the door that he had mentioned and he's gonna press into that a bit more. Verses seven through 10. Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man shall enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have a life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now he's going to talk about this shepherd analogy. He's going to press into this for a little bit. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own sheep are not, seeth a wolf coming, and he leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's an hireling. He cares not for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse number 16, he's going to allude to uh, basically that he has a purely Jewish audience at this point and that in the future, the Gentiles are gonna come into this. He says it this way, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also must I bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. 
Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. Verse 18 is very clarifying. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. There was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. Many of them said, He has a devil. He's mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? This entire passage speaks to that of a good shepherd. As a pastor, I, uh, 90% of the funerals I do, the family requests that we read Psalm 23 at the funeral. It's, it's perhaps the most famous chapter in all of the Bible. And it's this image of a great shepherd, right? Psalm 23 is all about the Lord being my shepherd and I not wanting and him leading me beside the still waters. And there's this imagery of one who takes me to these calm places and restores my weary, aching heart and protects me and provides for me and gives me satisfaction and gives me peace. And that touches a deep nerve inside of us. That's something that our heart yearns for. And here, Jesus declares that he is the good shepherd. And by comparison, he declares that the religious leaders and even the pretend messiahs are thieves and robbers. That on one hand, you have these unauthorized people who are brutalizing the sheep. On the other hand, you have Jesus, who's the good shepherd that wants to lead and to guide and to care for his own. And all of this is meant to contrast Jesus and these religious leaders and that they're more interested in fleecing the sheep and he's more interested in guiding and nurturing and guarding them. And based on this passage, I want to drive home two points. It's really all I have time for this morning. And the two points are good news and bad news. Okay, so here is what you first need to know. There's a lot of good news here. And the good news is that Jesus is a good shepherd. So Jesus says very plainly, I am not just a good shepherd, but the good shepherd. And that's an astonishing claim. But what does he mean by this? What does a good shepherd look like? What are we to expect from Jesus if he is a good shepherd? And the passage is riddled with all of these descriptors of the good shepherd. I want you to see them this morning. The first is that he calls his own by name. Verse number three tells us that he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. This is in the first story that Jesus gives. And he paints this picture of what was very common in ancient Near East times, that many shepherds would take their flocks into a pen or a fold, kind of uh, down at the ranch, and they would mingle all of the sheep together. They would hire a porter or a hireling or a hired hand to basically watch the door to make sure the sheep didn't go in and out, to make sure that someone who was unauthorized didn't go in and out. And in the morning time, the shepherds would come and they would stand outside of the fold and one by one, they would talk or they would sing or they would make a particular set of noises that the sheep knew. And the sheep that that knew that voice would separate themselves from the fold at large and go follow that shepherd. Then the next shepherd would shep up and do the same thing and his sheep would follow them and so on and so forth. And Jesus says that his sheep know his name. They know his voice. They follow him. But he says very specifically that I call them by name, which is important to us because really the most, the most beautiful word in any language to you is your own name. We like it when people know our name. We like it when people remember our names or recognize our name. I remember that my uh, older brother, I have two older brothers, but the one right above me, uh, he knew from early on that he wanted to be a lawyer and he is a lawyer today. He, he went to pre-law and then he went to law school and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but he also knew that he wanted to do a year of Bible college before he went and, and did his seven or eight years of pre-law and law school. 
just to get a foundation and understand the Bible and to get in that environment, to get away from home for a little bit. So he did that. And he went to a college in Tennessee to study the Bible for a little bit. And my dad had some loose connections, not strong connections, but some loose connections there at that college. And and he went to check in on day one. And he was in the kind of the freshman dormitory where they would stack all the freshmen. And someone came and said, is Brian Likens here? And yeah, it's me. They said, follow me. And they took him to this dormitory that was a bit more off campus, uh, a lot more room. It was this house, basically, where only seniors dwelt. And they took him into there and they said, you're going to lodge here. And he thought, this is the best upgrade ever. This is fantastic. Later that night, they had an orientation of sorts. And the president of the college walked up to my dad and my brother. And, and I don't even think they'd ever met before. But he said, Brian, right? And he shook his hand and he said, how do you like your lodging? And he walked away. And it meant something to my brother, but my dad came back home and you would have thought that someone had just hung the moon for my father. He, he thought it was the greatest thing in the world that here was this guy that had a, a little bit of recognition, had a little bit of, uh, of clout that knew his name and called his name and somehow favored him or somehow uh, gave him a benefit of some sort. And it was, it was just overwhelming that this would happen. And, and he was so happy about it. He was almost giddy about it as he came home and told us his story. And I have to think that if we as humans like it when someone who has a little bit of, of notoriety or is well-known or is admired names us, calls us, affirms us, shows interest in us, loves us, treats us in a special way, that how much more should it mean to us if we really let it impact our hearts that the king of the universe is a good shepherd who names us, who calls us, who loves us, who leads us, who wants to favor us. That should mean something to us. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I call my sheep by name. That's incredibly rich. That's incredibly tender. He also says in verses three and four that he goes before them as a leader. Verse three, he leadeth them out. Verse four, he goeth before them. Now, if all you knew of of sheep ranchers or shepherds was what we have in the West, that wouldn't make sense to you. Because in the West, we generally would picture, you know, a cowboy on a horse with a a hat and sheep dogs nipping at the heels of the sheep to corral them and to, and to get them to where they want to go. But in ancient times, that was not the case. There was a lot of relationship and the shepherd would lead the sheep. He would go before the sheep. He didn't corral them. He didn't nip at their heels. He, he said, let me show you the way and let me lead you. And we learn from this, that our good shepherd, he doesn't drive us. He leads us and says, I want to take you to where you should be. We learn that he offers salvation in verses seven and nine. He says, I'm the door of the sheep. Then in verse nine, he elaborates and says, I'm the door. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. What does that mean? Well, a door is that which secures. A door is that which divides even. A door gives you access to something else. And Jesus says that I'm the door. If you got out into a pasture where you weren't kind of back home on the ranch, it was very common for a shepherd to try to make a makeshift pen And he would be the porter. He would lay in the opening and he would be the door that the sheep could go in and out or someone else could go in and out. And Jesus, to say that I'm the door and I'm the good shepherd are not mutually exclusive. Those work together very nicely. And Jesus says, I'm the door and and enter in by me, you shall be saved. I'm the access point to salvation. If you want this, it has to be through me. Very similar to John 14, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. This is a proverbial way of insisting that he and he alone is the way to eternal life. 
And if you want salvation, you have to go through him. And he offers it to those that will go by him. We're told in verses 9 and 10 that he gives abundant life. Verse 9, we see that if you come to me, you'll go in and out and find pasture. That you'll find the nutrition that you need. I'll lead you to it. Verse 10, he says that the thief comes but for to steal and to kill and destroy, but I'm come that they have my, might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. With other people, with other leaders, there's death and there's destruction that awaits you, but with me, follow me, I have life for you, abundant life. Now that doesn't mean an abundance of stuff, but doesn't mean even an abundance of relationships. It means that this is life spent with the good shepherd and this is an abundant life where he leads and provides and guides and protects me. Abundant life is Jesus removing your guilt and your shame. Abundant life is Jesus giving you a home in heaven. Abundant life is Jesus empowering you with the Holy Spirit to walk day by day. Abundant life is being in a world of chaos, but having a peace that possesses your heart. And he says, I as a good shepherd come to offer this to my sheep. We're told in verses 11, 15, 17, 18 that he sacrifices his life. And that's kind of the grand theme of the whole good shepherd narrative. We're told in verse 11 that the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Verse 13, I lay down my life for the sheep. It says, if there's any doubt that I'm a good shepherd, watch me sacrifice my life for the sheep. That months later, they could look at the shepherd and say, shepherd, what are you doing up on that cross? And the shepherd could say, for the sheep. I'm sacrificing my life. I take their place. I substitute myself. I'll die in the dark so that they can live in the light. I'll take their punishment so that they can take my reward. I'll take the cross. They can have the crown. I will do this for the sheep. I'll give my life for them. He who's inconceivably glorious, he who's inconceivably great, says, I will lay down my life for the sheep. And then he says in verses 17 and 18, I love the clarity of this. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Talking about the resurrection. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. Now I could preach a whole sermon on this, but what Jesus is saying is that me going to the cross is not me being trapped in a scenario that I did not see coming. This is not something that's going to be a whoops. I have power over my own life and I will lay it down and I will take it up and I will do that on my own time. Acts 4 tells us that Herod and that Pilate and that the Jewish and the Gentile leaders all were acting on their own accord, but not really on their own accord, and that they were actually acting according to the counsel of God that had been determined before the foundation of the world. We're told in 1 Corinthians 2 that had the princes of the world known the hidden wisdom of the cross, then they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. But God had a plan that predated even the foundation of the world that he knew that this was going to happen and this is working. Jesus is, is not, someone's not taking something from him. He is giving his life on his own time of willingly, volitionally choosing. I'll lay it down, I'll, I'll take it up again. We're told that Jesus knows his sheep completely, verse 14 and 15, an astounding statement. He says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I've known of mine. And to help us understand what he means by this, he says, as the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father. Now that is striking. All through John, the evangelist has worked hard to get us to see that there's no daylight in between the Father and the Son. 
Though what the Son does is in complete unity, in complete sync, in complete harmony with the Father, that He knows the Father and the Father knows the Son, and there's nothing that separates them. There's full knowledge between them. And He leans into the deity of Jesus and, and the triunity of God and, and tells us that over and over. And then Jesus takes that relationship as the Father knows the Son, and the Son knows the Father, and says, in a similar way, I know my sheep. And then he says that we could know him, that he invites us into this relationship. And that is, that's full knowledge. That's complete knowledge. That, that is him saying that I know everything there is to know about my sheep. There's nothing that surprises me. You can know if that's true and you have a good shepherd in Jesus, that you're not surprising him. You may surprise yourself, but you're not, you're not going to give him a moment where he says, I had no idea that would come out of you. What in the world happened to you? You are far more depraved than I thought you were. That won't happen because he knows you to the bottom. He understands your sheepishness. One author said it this way. He knows us to the bottom and he loves us to the sky because here he is laying down his life for the sheep that he knows oh so well what's inside of them. We're told that he protects in verses 12 and 13. He says there's hirelings who when the wolves come, they run away. They flee. They won't stand their ground. They won't defend the sheep. We tend to think of shepherds kind of in an effeminate way because if you pick up a children's book that's depicting Jesus or any shepherd, what you'll find in that children's book is that there's probably some long wispy hair, probably has a freshly pressed clean white robe sitting on a rock holding the litty bitty baby lamb singing lullabies to it and just having a grand time with the sheep around, right? That's kind of how we picture this. But this was a grueling job. Think lumberjack when you think shepherd. This was demanding. This was tough. This was David saying a lion and a bear I had to kill. With, I had to grab it by the beard and, and strike it. Like this was dangerous. This, you had to have a lot of courage. He says, I'm a good shepherd. I'm not running away. I will protect. I'm here. Shepherd had to be fierce at times. We're told in verses 12 and 13 that he's not leaving, right? That's the point, that the hireling runs when tough times come. But no, I'm here and I'm sticking. This isn't a job. This isn't about the money. This is a calling. This is me caring for my sheep. You moms know what it's like to discover that being a mom isn't a job, but it's a calling. Right? When the kid is up at 3 a.m. throwing up again, you don't tell your three-year-old, hours are Monday through Friday, nine to five. Come back then, I'll take care of you, right? It's not a job. It's a calling and, and you can't tell them, you know what, here are the puking hours. Until then, wear it. You, you understand this is a calling. I'm there, I'm not leaving. I can't do anything about this, right? This, this is Jesus saying, I'm not leaving. This is a calling to me. This isn't a job. This, I'm not in it for the money. Max Lucado summed it up best. He said, if you have the good shepherd, you have grace for every sin, you have direction for every turn, you have a candle for every corner, an anchor for every storm, you have everything you need. That's good news, isn't it? That was quicker than I would have liked to be with that text, but that's good news. That's awesome news that there's a good shepherd who wants to care for us in that way. But if you're really gonna get this this morning, I do have to give you some bad news. And the bad news is, you're a sheep, right? If he's your shepherd, that means that you're a sheep. There are wild everything in nature. You can find wild horses, wild cats, wild dogs, wild whatever. But you're not going to find a wild sheep. 
Why? Because sheep are too dim-witted and too helpless to be wild. You take one of your pets or one of your animals and turn them loose, one of two things happens. They're smart enough to come back home or they're conniving enough to go fend for themselves and, and live out there in the wild. But do that with a sheep, game over. That sheep will wander around aimlessly, has no sense of direction. It will eat anything it can find, including poisonous plants. It will drink anything it can find, including the stagnated, nasty water. It'll get stuck on its back like a turtle. It's going gonna, it's gonna to wander for a couple minutes and say, where am I? Who's bringing me supper? And then fall off a cliff. Like that does not go well for a sheep to be in the wild. It just, it doesn't happen. And we have to admit that as wonderful as it is to say the Lord is my shepherd or I have a good shepherd in Jesus, that that also is a humbling statement. You, you have to admit at the same time that I'm a sheep. Like John 15 says, without him, I can do nothing. That I'm utterly dependent. There's a position of humility here that isn't very flattering and our heart militates against it because we want to think that, you know what? I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I'm more intelligent than most people I know. Generally speaking, I can figure it out. That's what we want to tell ourselves. That's what even the world around us wants to tell us. But it's not true. Mankind loves to celebrate mankind. We, we love to exclaim our own awesomeness and to think that we're unreal. I've, I've just discovered this this last weekend. College football season kicked off. Next week, the NFL will kick off. And if you like the NFL and, and fantasy football like I do, then you'll be happy. If you're still protesting it, that's fine. You can do your thing. But I've been watching some, some college football. And you know what's happening this weekend? He's a true freshman quarterback. The first freshman quarterback to start in 49 years. And this is happening. And, that's how, and there's unlimited potential for this. If he, he can reach for the stars and over and over again, what I'm hearing is these people and all the potential, all they have, there's unlimited potential. No, there's not. No, there's not. There is very, very, very real potential for all of us. I don't care how big your brain is, how smart you is, how much of an athlete you are. You can stick all of the creatine and testosterone and steroids you want in somebody. There's limited potential. We're not infinite. We're not unlimited. And the air that we breathe is humanity wanting to exalt humanity and tell you, you tell yourself, you tell everybody else, you can do whatever you want, you can overcome it, you can make it happen, you're smart enough, you're wise enough, you have the power in yourself. And the simple point of you being a sheep is just to tell you, no, you don't. And neither do I. And I, I know that, that feels like a smack in the face in our American culture, but no, you don't. A sheep understands that I need a shepherd and I'm dependent, and without that shepherd, I'm toast. But I don't need consulting Jesus. I don't need Jesus on retainer so I can call him when I'm in a pinch. I need a good shepherd who is going to protect me because I can't protect myself, who's going to lead me because I'm going to step on a landmine if I leave myself, who's going to take me to the right places because I'll eat that poison. I'll do that stupid thing. I need someone to lead me because I'm a sheep. I don't personally ask my three-year-old daughter, Willow, for investment advice. <laughs> I don't have a lot to invest, but we try to pinch our pennies a little bit and invest a little bit and prepare for the future. We've, I've witnessed a lot of pastors never do any of that and then get to be 70 years old and the church feels bad that they have to support them and it, doesn't, it just doesn't work out well. So we, we try to be wise about that. But I've never looked at Willow and been like, Willow, you, you thinking Roth here or traditional or should I go S&P 500? What do you think? 
right? You say, why not? Well, because she's three and she hasn't lived enough life to be able to offer me anything worth listening to. And if we can recognize in my own household that there's 30 years of human existence that creates a pretty large gap between my three-year-old and 32-year-old me that I shouldn't listen to her and she probably doesn't have counsel for me, I dare say there's a bigger gap between an infinite God who's everlasting and little finite, my life is but a vapor me, right? But somehow we think we got something to offer God. God, here's my plan. Jesus, sign off on it, please. I know what's best. How dare you do that to me? Why would you put that on my, we think that we'll do that. What are we doing when we do that? We're failing to admit that we're sheepish. We're failing to admit that we can't figure this out and we don't know. That we have nothing to offer the shepherd. And I wish I could get up here this morning and say that Jesus called you a T-Rex, but the fact of the matter is he did not. This ain't Jurassic Park, he called you a sheep. That's what he said. And you have to understand, if you want a good shepherd, you gotta be a sheep. You say, okay, how do I do that? Well, the good news is it's pretty simple for sheep. You, look, you read this text on your own, read through it and identify all the things the shepherd has to do. I gave you some of them this morning, but identify all the things the shepherd's doing and then identify the things the sheep is doing. It's a real short list. The sheep listen and hear his voice and respond to it and they follow. The end. It's what it means to in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. What it means to trust in the Lord with all your heart. To understand I'm a sheep. What did you say? Okay, I'll follow, I'll go. To be a sheep means that there's comprehensive dependence and obedience. It means you're gripped by the fact that I'm utterly dependent upon God and I cannot do this on on my own and I'm gonna obey him. And a sheep doesn't get to say to the shepherd, you know what, help me here, but don't help me there. It's comprehensive, it's all or nothing. A sheep doesn't get to say, you know what, lead me sure, but you know what, I'll find my own grazing grounds, you know, on Tuesdays. Feed me, okay, but I'll shear myself. You know what, I like when you protect me, but... I'm gonna figure out if that's dangerous or not and I'll call you if I actually need protecting. That's not how it goes. The sheep is comprehensively dependent and comprehensively obedient. And without that, the good shepherd won't seem good. Without that, you'll never have the relationship that you need. And the point of today, I knew it would be brief because we had Jay sharing some stories and stuff. The point of today is you gotta admit you're a sheep. You have got to admit that you need someone to lay down their life for you. You weren't saving yourself. You're not the point of entry to salvation. You're not going to get to God on your own. That you needed someone to do that for you and you have to be utterly dependent. And I know that's humbling. But you have to say, I need you. I'm toast without you. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the strength. I don't have the willpower. I can't do salvation on my own, right standing with God on my own, sure, but even just life on my own. I can't go off to university and be a good student and and survive secular college life on my own. I can't parent my children with my own wisdom on my own and make this, you're not gonna be able to. And you have to see that. And if you can admit that, I say, welcome, your shepherd awaits you. He will be a good shepherd to you. He will care. 
He will protect, he will guide, he will love, he'll give you life abundant, he'll save you, he'll do all of it, but you gotta, you gotta admit I'm a sheep. Pray with me.